So about um, maybe seven years ago, uh, roughly, this month, I went down to um, Barbecue Fest downtown, and as you know, it's always just mud, <laughs> you know, in May downtown. It's, it was very wet and rainy. And uh, I met this young man down there. I was wearing my collar, and I met this young man down there. And um, we started talking, and he said, uh, Father, can I buy you a beer? And I was like, sure, I'm Catholic. So um, we started talking, and we ended up talking for a couple hours, and he, he was just saying, you know, um, Father, I hope that after we leave this life, that there's something more, you know? Like, Father, what happens after we die? Do we just, just kind of dissolve into the great abyss? Or is there something more? And I said, well, you know, it's a good question, man. I said, well, you know, where do you go to church? Or what, is it, what do you believe? He said, well, I'm an atheist. And I'm like, okay. So you're wanting something more, but you're an atheist, right? But a lot of times people that claim to be atheists don't really know what that means. They just say that. And he didn't really believe that. He's just saying that because that's what he's been told, right? So as I'm talking to him, he was, he's just like, you know, surely there's something more, like beyond this. And I said, well, all right, dude, tell me how you know that. He said, well, I don't, I've never studied theology. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, where is that coming from? I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I just kind of know it. Like there's something down in here that says, what next? Like where do you retire after your retirement? <laughs> after you leave this world, yeah? <clears throat> and it's a great question. What happens after we die? You know, in this, uh, in this gospel, right, Jesus talks about this. And if you're like me, when you hear the first line of what Jesus says, you think, Lord, that's kind of naive, because this is what Jesus says. He's, <laughs> he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And when I hear that, I'm like, that's easy for you to say, Jesus, you don't live in Memphis. <laughs> Try living on Summer Avenue, all right? I mean, come on, that's a little naive, isn't it? But it doesn't stop there, right? So he's like, no, this time here is very temporary, Keep an eternal perspective. He said, if I, in my Father's house there are many mansions. And you know, you know how it goes. Heaven. Heaven. I mean, this is the, the end game for everybody. I mean, we all know this. It's tattooed to our heart. Even people that, even people when they take their own lives. And we've all known people that have been in that situation. While I'm, not, I'm in no way advocating this, of course, they're often looking for peace. They're looking for some kind of relief. We know this, man. It's tattooed in the heart. Just a little numbers. Do you know that every year, 56 million people die? Every year. You're doing the math, that comes down to 107 people every single minute of every day. So since Father Ben has been standing up here yammering on, 
hundreds of people have gone home to the Lord, and one day we will follow them. And this is why I'm going through all this. Is it possible, is it possible that we learn something about this life by learning something about that life first? Because what we do in this life will have an eternal impact in that one. In 1992, um, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina, one of my favorite cities in the whole world. And I was, uh, should have been studying for an exam, but I had too much coffee. And I was uh, sitting in a library in those, remember those little cubicles they used to have in, does anybody remember libraries? <laughs> the Dewey Decimal System, you know, right? The original Google. And so I was, sitting, I was sitting in there, and I was kind of daydreaming. And I, on the little shelf above the cubicle, there was all these New England Journal of Medicine red volumes. And I read on the side of one of them, it said three words, near-death experiences, NDEs, near-death experiences. I said, what is that? So I pulled it off. Hundreds and hundreds of case studies of people that have died, been brain dead, what they experience, and then what happens after they come back to life. And back in those days, in 1992, many in the scientific and medical community just dismissed this silliness outright. Oh, that's silly. They had too much hemoglobin in the blood at the time of death. They had brain injury. There's not enough oxygen in the brain. This is silly. Nobody experiences it. was 30 years ago. Now, whoosh, the exact opposite. The exact opposite. It's almost accepted by many in the scientific community as fact. Why? Because many of those scientists who rejected it had themselves gone through it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I'm sharing this with you because I believe very firmly that we can learn a lesson or two from these people. And some of them may be you. It's incredible. What are some of the things that these people have experienced? I'm just going to share with you. Number one, colors. Many of them that have been brain dead, the colors that they have experienced after they leave this body. By the way, some of the people that saw these colors in heaven were blind. They've never seen colors. They're blind, but they saw them in heaven. The music that these people experienced in heaven, incredible, like nothing they've ever experienced in this world. Oh, and by the way, some of those people are deaf. They've never heard music in this world. The people that they met in heaven, many of whom died long before they were ever born. Now, I want, you to, I, I want to ask you a question. Those of you that, that recall this, how many senses do, do human beings have? Wow. We got five, six, 12, 35. Okay, so whatever it is, all right, how, what, do you have to, what do you have to have in order to ex experience your senses? 
a body. Okay, in case you didn't know that. So, in order to see colors, you have to have eyes. In order to hear music, you have to have ears. In order to recognize people, you have to have a face. But here's the deal. When these people go to heaven, they don't have any of that. So how do they hear music if they have no ears? How do they see colors if they have no eyes? And how do they recognize other people if they don't have a face? Unless, of course, there's something unique about the soul that makes that possible. One of the common things, if you, I've, I'm not holding myself up, but I can tell you I've read thousands and thousands of these case studies and I've interviewed a number of people. Common theme running through all of them is this. You're looking for one common thing. These people that have died, experienced heaven, come back to life. You know what it is? Joy. They don't want to come back. I was talking to one woman that experienced this. She's a mother of three, double master degree, intelligent woman. You know what she told me? I said, how realistic do you think this was? I mean, be honest with me. How realistic do you think that was? You know what she told me? (laughs) She said, Father, that was reality. Far more than this one. This is what I question is how real it is. Not that. She said, I came back for my kids. Hmm. You know, this one priest I know in St. Louis, Missouri, told me this story one time. He said he was with a woman when she flatlined. She died. And um, down the hallway, apparently in the hospital, her husband was yelling at their daughter because their daughter refused to believe that the mom just died. So this is down the hallway from the OR. So she said her soul left her body. She goes and she hears the entire conversation with her son, with her daughter and husband. Heard the whole thing. Two minutes later, she's resuscitated. And the first thing she did when she came to was scold her husband for scolding their daughter. Can you imagine how shocked he was? How is it possible that someone could do that? Because by definition, when someone is dead, they are unconscious. How can they have a conscious experience when they're dead? Unless, of course, there's something about the soul, which is precisely what Jesus Christ is talking about today. One of the things that these people experienced, and we hear this again and again, is every person that they have wounded in their life, hurt, insulted, they feel, even if it's just for one moment, they feel how the person felt when they hurt them. I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me sit up straight. They feel how that person felt when we hurt them, even if just for one minute. So you know what happens when they come to? Number one, they have an immense amount of compassion for every human being. Number two, they have zero worry. These people worry about nothing because they realize that all their worries mean nothing. (laughs) And number three, they have zero fear of death. None. Zip. Zip. 
Most people know they're going to die. They're just afraid of how they will die. Be not afraid. I'll close with this. 2011, I was with this young woman named Edith. She's from Guatemala. She's dying of cancer. She had cancer in her stomach, made her look pregnant. Big ball of cancer in her tummy. Loved, loved her. So I was going every day for the last week of her life to see her. And um, I was with her about, uh, I got there about two minutes after she died. And we all knew this was coming, right? So Edith died, and she goes to heaven, and she met, in her words, thousands of people in her family, the generations and generations and generations that lived before her. And she met them. She said, I didn't know these people. She came back to life, and she was telling me in Spanish this whole thing glowing face, just glowing in joy. And I get in my car, and I'm going home, and I was like, wow. Sign me up, Lord. Sign me up. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If there were not, I wouldn't tell you there were. Get ready. Get ready.